You are now locked into the Beyond the Hashtag Podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Hashtag. We're here with Ira Jackson for part two of our discussion about a range of different topics, to be honest with you guys, but it's just I'm, I'm more interested in, in picking Ira's brains a bit more about what we spoke about in, in part one. Um, so if you haven't seen that, check, check it out. We spoke about, you know, <laughs> black people in, in our community and, and looking beyond just the lower level struggles um, and, and, yeah, just an overall thought about not just racism and discrimination in football but in life and, and what we can do to to break beyond that um and Ira also shared a lot about his his career journey so far you know even still being in, in his young 20s but you know everything he's had to go through to be where he is at the moment and aspirations to go to go further than that so yeah go and check that out in in the link will be in the description below for part one but yeah we won't waste any more time to get into to part two um and yeah, just just flowing from what, what we just touched on in in part one, Ira, um, about using your um your faith and what you believe in um to, to to kind of set an example on this fight against discrimination in life and and not just in football. So I guess like how much does your faith mean to you, and and what what message do you always like to kind of portray when you're dealing with these kind of issues stemming from your faith? Um. Faith is essential to everything in life, in my life especially. Um, and I think just a brief way to describe dealing with discrimination or any sort of prejudice. Um, my clothing brand, we made a, a, a hoodie off one of my favorite man, mantras, which is, it's all love. Um, and the quote that it says on the back is, let love be the foundation and the motivation of everything that you do. Um, and I think that's so essential for life. Um, I think it's essential for dealing with these sorts of issues as well, because like we spoke about, you don't want to be complaining about an issue and then compounding that issue. Like if we're complaining about racism and then we're saying that our, our solution is to now oppress white people, like in South Africa, we've seen with apartheid and how that's turned. Mm. I don't see that being a solution. It's not a solution. I think what needs to be done is, is love needs to be portrayed, mm. education. Um, I think we also need to, to stop, stop blaming descendants for the issues of their, their ancestors as well. Mm. Yes, it's their fault for continuing it, but it's not their fault for starting it. So we need to kind of mentally assess, like, you're not the problem. Like, because this has been here way before you. This is way bigger than you as an individual. And I think when we separate individuals from the spirits, let's say, that they're operating in, we're able to speak to the spirit, get rid of the spirit, but still love the person at the same time. Mm. Um, and I think that is something um, that we can do. And also, the scripture says love covers the multitude of sins. Racism is a sin. So. Mm -hmm. How can we how can we love somebody out of that? Um, I like to look at it from that perspective. Like, how can I show them Jesus to such a way that they feel offended for even ever being racist? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like without without me having to like beat them up or without me having to be like, you're racist every time yeah. I speak to them. Like, how do I love them in such a way? How do I show them the love of Jesus in such a way 
which yes it sounds spiritual but let's be honest fighting fire with fire doesn't extinguish fire like, yeah adds more fire yeah. you need a fire extinguisher yeah to get rid of fire like so how do we extinguish fire we bring love uh, we bring peace we bring joy we bring happiness like some of these people that's all they know like so can we bring education to them can we bring around them because remember a lot of people who are racist yeah don't have close friends that are black mm -hmm. and black people would have nothing to do with them so isn't that partly helping the problem <laughs> to mm. grow that you don't want anything to do with them because they're racist like or because you think they might be racist or because they're white like you only want to have black friends can we have friendship groups that bring to light the diversity that we want to see yeah. i don't believe that every single individual in the world is of make better and it only starts with us as individuals racism didn't start with 100 million people at once saying you know what let's just hate black people like it started with one person making a choice and then another person making a choice to agree with that one person and then it's just compounded over time so can we not do the reverse effect and compound love over time in such a way that we accept every single person being made equally and fearfully and wonderfully by god no matter what color they are no matter um gender disability how, how their yeah. eyes mm. how how their eyes go how their hair how long their hair is how curly their hair is like why do we why what makes us what gives us the right to discount someone because of that if god didn't discount them because of it yeah so that's how my faith supplements or complements my desire for a diverse and equal world mm. no thank you for that bro and and continuing on that um and touching on your clothing brand as well do you want to tell the listeners more about your clothing brand what um what pc like stands for and, and what you guys are, are are doing with with that brand and then linking that into your faith um because i think it's even powerful seeing it's always powerful for me seeing like footballers who um are very open and very honest about their faith um because too often i think in the past it's been hidden but then you know especially nowadays and basically since i've been growing up here i've seen a lot of footballers are even down to you know like kaka underneath his shirt saying you know yeah, i belong yeah. to jesus little things like that but even now there's like platforms and groups like there's ballers in god there's you know f3 football i don't know if you've heard of them but they yeah they, they're really yeah. you know taking this social media world and really putting their faith in christianity specifically as well on on a massive scale so yeah like what are you doing in in your clothing brand to to i guess do the same and, and you know align that with your own values um well the clothing brand is it exemplifies the way i want to do ministry and the way i want to do life um and faith um i'm not your typical person when it comes to anything so never mind evangelizing um i feel like the old school megaphone in the streets telling people they're sinners is, is very outdated way of evangelizing and to be honest even walking up to people in the street and tapping them on the shoulder and saying jesus loves you i think people need to see they can resonate with they need to see something that causes them to think um and they need to see something that promotes a better lifestyle than the lifestyle that they're currently living. Um, just the three words, Jesus loves you to somebody who's not aware of the love of Jesus, the price that he's paid, et cetera, et cetera, does not build intrigue. 
they've seen too many Christians that don't show the love of Jesus. So when you say that, essentially you're building more offense to them than you're building um, intrigue. So what we try to do is we try to display the message of Christ, which essentially is love, um, in a way that people will become intrigued. So when, whenever we see something or whenever we create something, um, we're trying to do it with the idea of this is not for Christians, just Christians to wear, uh, which is the disparity that we have between most Christian clothing brands is that, first of all, we're not a Christian clothing brand. Second of all, we're not a clothing brand. And third of all, we're not making things for Christians to wear to make them feel good about themselves, um, about how Christian they are. And, oh, yes, I ticked a box today because I wore my Jesus Loves You hoodie out in the street. I can say I evangelized. Rubbish. We're not about that at all. Yeah, We're about that. how do I wear something? How do I wear something that can actually spark the intrigue of somebody else? Firstly, because it looks good. Second of all, because it promotes a message that they're not quite sure what that means. Mm-hmm. So intrigue, because yeah. Mm-hmm. When you when you um when you can invite the conversation of Christ without saying his name, I think that brings up just like my favorite scripture in the Bible, John 4, that brings up um a more easy way to evangelize than it does when you're standing forcing people to hear what you're saying. Mm. If somebody comes to you and says, Oh my gosh, I really love that hoodie, Stephen. What is it? What is it that it says on there? Like, what, mm. what does that mean? Um that opens the door because they're now intrigued. They want to know what is it that's, what does that mean? That looks really good. Like, well, but I don't understand what's the Chinese writing on it. What's the, what yeah. does one of a king mean? What does this all love mean? Like, like why they don't see that now. Their eyes are not blinkered seeing, oh, it's got scripture on it. It's Christian much. I would never wear that. They're saying, oh my gosh, I'd love to wear that. But what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. That's why our mantra of we are the message, we live the message, we wear the message is perfectly fit into the clothing that we make because most of our merch is not bought by Christians, it's bought by non-Christians. And our mm. clothing brand is called Preach Christ London. So how does that make sense? Yeah. Because the gospel is not for Christians, the gospel is for non-Christians. So who should be eating it more? It should be the non-Christians. non-Christians yeah. So that's the way that God created evangelism. He didn't say, go ye into all the church and preach the gospel. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So why do us as believers ostracize ourselves by making music that's just for Christians, by making clothes that's just for Christians, by making movies that's just for Christians, unless they're obviously educational for kids and stuff. Why do we do that? And usually it's because we love the idea of feeling that we are the superior people in the earth. Mm. when realistically everybody is on the same level at the foot of the cross so surely we should be trying to help more people get there if we want to play into that ego vibe of oh we're better than everybody else we should be then using that platform like footballers like famous people to help other people get to where they're supposed to get to which is Mm. to the foot of the cross accepting jesus as their lord and savior that's the way i see faith that's the way i see evangelism that's the way i see me using my faith the faith that filters into every aspect of my life to positively impact the world if it's not changing the world what's the actual point of having it? like if it doesn't change my life and it doesn't change anybody else's life mm. what what's the Why? point of believing it in yeah. the first place mm. so so yeah that's kind of it in a nutshell mm. no thank you Brian. and definitely we'll put the um the links to to pc um yeah in our description and yeah just get the get more of our listeners um 
just more way more intrigued um because we've got we've got listeners from all different backgrounds and countries so yeah some of you are christian some of you are not christian so yeah just even bringing even what you just said like just bringing the intrigue into into what pc even stands for and um, the message that you guys bring is is definitely is definitely one that you know we're happy at beyond the hashtag to, to keep sharing and to keep um promoting and, and yeah taking the discussion and hopefully changing even it would change one person's life like it, it will even do something so yeah amen bro thank you Hey you, it's the finest. Make sure you're following us at beyond hashtag underscore to get them fire visuals. Thank you for that. And more from going beyond, um, again, beyond the pitch as well. So you're an author as well. So do you want to tell us more about your book and, and why you even um, decided to go into to being an author and, and yeah, just about, about the book itself yeah so um i am a communicator as you can tell i like talking uh, i like writing i like everything to do with communication and so um one of the biggest burdens i've had in my lifetime is young men uh, fathered fatherless not well fathered um not big brothered all those things i've found that in church and in life there is not really a training program for young men to become men. Um, there's just this expectation that you're 18 now, you're a man. What does that mean? Um, so me being myself, being inquisitive, um, wanting to know the answers to everything, uh, wanting to learn and understand the, the why behind everything, because I believe that the why is the thing that keeps you when you're in storms. Um, I wanted to find out, okay, so why is it that the world has this um, unprecedented expectation of men that when they reach the age of 18, all of a sudden they are now men and all of a sudden they should just take on the responsibilities of men with no training. Why is it that so many dads don't train their sons in basic male functioning? Like, why is it their dads don't teach, they don't teach them how to be fathers? They don't teach them how to be good sons. They don't teach them how to be good men. They just say, be a man. Okay, cool. What does that mean? Um, so <laughs> I went on the journey through the word of God, exploring what it actually means to be a man, following some of the examples of David, Daniel, uh, great people like that, but also the most perfect example, which is Jesus. Um, and unpack, unpacking his uh, life story, his, his morals, his principles, his character, some of the things that he said uh, that we didn't even take note of um, because it wasn't a massive revelation, but it was just something very simple. Um, how can I use that? How can I use Jesus, who is the so-called standard, as a platform to build from as the man of God that he's called me to be? Because one thing that we don't take notice of in the scripture, um, maybe through fear, maybe through uh, just ignorance, is that he said, greater works than me will you do so that means that jesus isn't actually the standard for us to live by he's actually the foundation for us to live from or the platform mm. for us to live from wow, because okay. he would never say that you can do greater if all we were supposed to do was reach what he accomplished in his lifetime mm. so me just being simple and believing that if jesus isn't a liar and god is no <laughs> That means that one day I will have accomplished more than Jesus did. Why don't I use him and everything that he did as a starting point? 
including his manhood. Um, so me having these thoughts, these uh, desires to want to become a better man myself and really understand this process or lack of process, mm. for want of a better word, of becoming a man, um, I really wanted to help the people who feel like I'm their role model um, because there are many that look at me and like, oh, Ira, you just seem like you got your life together. And I'm like, bro, I'm still trying to figure it out. But, you know, <laughs> I guess I'm doing well uh, so far. Mm. Um, but especially on the point of manhood, because I re- there are millions of people in this world that would love to mentor me as a footballer, as a speaker, as a singer, as a songwriter, as a writer of books. But you will probably find and count on one hand how many people would want to mentor me as a man. Mm. And I found issue with that because if, if all the time, let's say Tony Robbins, I pay 10, Tony Robbins 10K a year to mentor me to be a motivational speaker, but he doesn't care about me as a person. He just cares about how many speaking gigs he can get me so that I can pay him that 10K. Yeah. <laughs> what happens when... What happens when I decide I don't want to do motivational speaking anymore? That relationship is over. Broken, yeah. So how many relationships do we have in life that are formed and fashioned around giftings, talents, skills, abilities, workplace commitments, uh, schooling uh, positions? How many do we have that are based upon superficial things that really end like they have their own time and season? Manhood doesn't have a time and season. That's your life. And it affects everything, but it's the most untouched area when it comes to our life and our journey. And then you contrast that with women from a young age, how to be a woman. They're taught how to handle their period. They're taught how to, to to clean, they're taught how to, they're taught how to do this, they're taught how to make cakes. Like they are more advanced because their mum is telling them, this is one day, this is what you're going to have to do for your husband mm. at seven years old. Yeah. Even like having a doll, they're like learning cradling the a baby, like of re- relationship yeah, with yeah. their Barbie dolls and all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Thank you. They're learning how to be a mother, how to hold a baby. You never see boys get taught how to look after a wife and kids. Like, do you get what I mean? Like, we're not taught none of that. We're not, half of us haven't even been taught how to shave by our dads. Like, things like that, they're basic things that are part of manhood, part of puberty, part of growth. It's part of your life journey that you can't, you didn't ask for it. This is just part of your genetics, part of your gender. This is what you go through. Hair starts growing on your face. You don't know what to do with it. How do you deal with that? that's part of manhood so we don't get taught any of this we don't get taught how a man is supposed to act we just get told that the way we're acting isn't like a man so I wanted to for myself first of all bridge that gap and bridge that chasm between the expectation and the education and really put it together because expectation is shaped by education but if there's mm. no education and there's expectation, then there's a breach when it comes there's to the education. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So my job 
for myself was to educate myself on manhood in the best way I knew how, which is the biblical perspective, which everything people praise me for now is because of that. So it's obviously working, we could say. Um, so now that I have that blueprint of myself and not having to publicize that I was doing it, but people seeing the dynamic changes and the impact they was having led me to the place of God now saying, now I want you to mentor young men. I said, not quite yet, not quite ready for that. Um, because what if I get it wrong? Like, <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for this kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> going going like, AWOL, yeah. <laughs> after being mentored by me. Yeah, that's that's not it. I'm not going to be responsible for him leaving the faith. I'm not going to be responsible for him getting a girl pregnant. None of that. That's not, I'm not, I'm not here for that. And then after a few weeks, you know, of constant pressure, um, God was just like, come on, I want you to mentor. I'm going to help you through it. So I said, okay, cool. So basically everything that I'd studied, everything that I'd been taken through, everything that I'd been reading, God was just taking me through that and taking them through it, through me. Um, and then it got to a point where um, my first mentoring group, we'd finished with the first mentoring group. Um, and that was seven, seven guys, seven young guys, seven or eight young guys. Um, so we'd finished a 30 week program with them. Um, and then I was like, okay, how do I reach more people? Because I definitely am not mentoring a thousand people. I'm not mentoring a hundred thousand people. I yeah. can't mentor everybody. Yeah, so yeah. I thought, how do I best get this into a format where people can learn, people can grow, and I don't have to do all of the work. Yeah, like every yeah you're just one person as well. So yeah. yeah, exactly, just one person. And I was thinking I could build a team like of mentors, but then I have to trust that this person don't have issues. Like, mm. I can trust myself, like because I know I'm not involved in domestic violence and I'm not getting no yeah. girls pregnant. Like, <laughs> and I haven't raped anyone or stuff like that. So like, yeah. I can guarantee that for myself. I can't guarantee that for everybody else yeah so i would rather create an outlet where people can go to it learn and if they need to come to me for extra like clarification then cool mm-hmm. so that's why we created the why i'm mentoring page which kind of hosts any questions people have about the book but people bypass that and just come and ask me straight anyway yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it's obviously not working but yeah so then i started writing the book and it took me a couple months to write the book um, based upon obviously everything that I'd studied um, and then I just left it for a while getting people to read it see what their thoughts were because I didn't want to just write it and then release it straight away and be like oh yeah yeah it's finished product I wanted to hear people's perspective men and women mm-hmm. and the funny thing is women had a better better reviews for me than men did oh wow book. yeah the, the guys were like yeah yeah it's a good book my like, yeah cool I guess the women would have seen the struggle and be like and know the gaps Yeah, yeah. And obviously, women read the book and were like, nah, you have to release this now. I was like, what do you mean now? <laughs> like, it's not even been edited yet. They were like, this book, trust me, if I had a son, I'd, mm. I'd be getting him this book. Like, one of them was like, I'm getting this for my boyfriend. I was like, don't hold me responsible. I said, don't hold me responsible if you two aren't together because after this, because it's not my fault. Like, Mm. all i'm doing is trying to make better men um and there's obviously segments in the book that talk about relationships and stuff like that and 
really what you should have gone through and accomplished before you get into a relationship to ensure mm. that you are the best man for that woman. Um, and that I did a mentoring session with a relationship seminar with some of my mentees, the first group, and like three or four of them afterwards, like, yeah, Ira, yeah, like, um, um, I was going to tell you this, obviously I've got a girl, but uh, I don't anymore because after that relationship came out, I realized I'm not ready. Wow. <laughs> so I'm sitting there like, I'm sitting there thinking like, am I breaking up really bad yeah, relationships yeah. and that? Like, I'm just killing them off straight out. Like, <laughs> But it's necessary because I've always said to my mentees, I said like, as a, as a man, it's your responsibility to manage relationships. And if you're not ready to manage that relationship effectively and take it to where God's called it to be, then you don't need to be in it. If I'm immature, I'm immature. Like, I'd rather be immature and not break your heart than be immature and broke your heart. Like, yeah. do you get what I mean? Yeah. Because I can't, I can't have that on my conscience that I've just broken a girl's heart because I wasn't ready to be in a relationship. I've been there. I don't mm. need to be doing that again. Like, <laughs> now I know the answers. I don't want to go backwards and start like messing around uh, with girls just for the sake of it. Like when you actually go back and find out what, what's the reason I've been chatting to all these girls. A lot of the time it's just insecurity. Insecurities, yeah. Like, like I'm talking to these girls, like I'm talking to these girls because I want to feel like a man. Like, well, if you knew what a man was, you'd realize you didn't need to chat to them, mm. especially for now because you're not ready yet. You still have things that you're dealing with that if you get into a relationship, they're going to get even more exposed and then you're going to feel even worse because now somebody else is, is exposing your vulnerability. Whereas yeah. if you just deal with it and, and like build yourself properly and, and grow better, then you're not, you're not going into a relationship with so many bullet holes in you. Yeah. You're going in covered up kind of thing mm. and then you're ready to open yourself up to the right person, the person yeah. mm. use the hashtag bth pod on all socials to continue the discussion that's bro honestly <laughs> yeah the, the topic of men is is one a whole nother aspect and yeah, I never and to be honest, I never thought I'd be getting into this kind of discussion on, on beyond the hashtag, but that's exactly what I want this platform to be about, which is just going beyond literally says in the name, but going beyond just the the standard discussions and not just limiting limiting it to, to football or to racism or to discrimination like this. This is all about being better people within ourselves and, and spreading the better message of being better individuals and and becoming better men is is one huge aspect of that. And mark my words, we'll we'll I'll, I'll have you back on, back on and we'll have a deeper discussion about that topic because especially when there's like you know uh there's like international men's day and stuff like that coming coming up where like people are like dedicating time and stuff to focus on these kind of things but even outside of that in, in just general discussion is it's super super important so mm-hmm. now thank you for thank you for that shedding a lot a lot of light on that because even again even uh, women who listen to this podcast um will take a lot of um kind of insight from that and you know we'll put your book book in the description and, and they'll read it and and be able to to take some light from that as well so now thank you so much bro um we are, we're gonna wrap up shortly um and again i want to thank you for 
just just your your spirit that you've brought to, to the podcast and to the listeners and, and to even myself and yeah I've just got so so many things that I've I've been sort of gems that I've been pulling from you and, and it's just been good to engage with with you on you know on a human level on a football level on on a wider perspective on, on these kind of issues I, like I appreciate the insight insight that you've you've brought to this podcast and to the listeners and yeah guys if anything if you have the thoughts that I'm having throughout this episode please get them in the comments DM me DM them back to me DM them to Ira I'm on socials whatever because there's so many discuss this discussion points that should be springing from this episode and I'm hoping that the light bulbs are flashing for everyone else mm-hmm. than they have for me as well so before we close up bro can you just give us in terms of a discrimination point of view it doesn't have to limit it to football but maybe through the lens of, of football if you had to like see one kind of solution implemented in kind of whatever area of kind of discrimination you'd like to see what like what what speaks to you in your heart that you want to see like actually change from like things that have been going wrong now it's, it's kind of a it's a tough question to ask ask and answer but if you had to just see one thing changed from from what is that at the moment what would you potentially pinpoint uh it's tough <laughs> because we're dealing with we're dealing with human beings um and there's so much individual difference so it's, it's, it's almost impossible to just pinpoint one thing um but in terms of football and discrimination, I would probably say that, um, and there's a section in my book about this called the heart check. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably say that before anybody gets involved in a position where they're over somebody else's destiny, um, that they check their hearts first. Um, mm-hmm. Whether that's a manager, whether that's a coach, whether that's a captain, whether that is a owner oh, no. of a club, mm-hmm. whether that's uh, FIFA officials, whether that's a referee, um, I believe that everybody on a global spectrum in the sport needs to do a heart check first. If they have personal discrimination issues with certain races or whatever, exclude yourself from being in the sport until you've dealt with that. Mm. Um, because what you're doing is you're bringing a poison into the, the sport that is meant to bring people together, not tear people apart. Mm. Um, so what I would say is everybody needs to be able to reflect and assess themselves honestly and really check their hearts and check why why they have this piece of distaste or or hatred or even prejudice towards um, certain races and types of people and is it because of that's how they've been brought up is it because they're following the crowd is it because they're trying to get ahead is it because they're threatened or insecure whatever it is come to the solution or come to the place where you know what it is and deal with that before you're in any position of authority or power because then what you do is you put um somebody's life ahead of your personal feelings rather than the other way around yeah yeah um and i think what we see with a lot of these agendas nowadays and a lot of racism as well is that the individual is putting their feelings, their insecurities, their opinions above the life of another human being. And I don't think that should ever be the case, especially in sport, um, because that's somebody's livelihood that you're messing with. Mm. Um, their kids, yeah. maybe their parents who are in care homes, they're paying for their care yeah. homes and stuff. Maybe life support that they're paying for for their their, yeah. their brother or sister or whatever. And because of your child. heart. 
yeah. but because of your heart you don't see that you don't see that that's another human being you see that as this is a asset that yeah. has no feelings no life no heart no family that i can toy with uh, because of my personal preferences i think a heart check is what needs to be done across the whole game both across the whole world really yeah. in terms of life um for us to ensure we actually find out the reasons why we want to be in charge because like i said about black people getting into power why do we want to be in charge do we want to be in charge so we can flip racism and make white people the, the inferior race or do we want to do it so we can create positive change and and promote an actual diverse world Society, yeah mm. No, absolutely, bro. And yeah, on that note, we will we will close up the episode. Um, I thank you once again for for your time. Thank you guys um, for tuning in to both parts of the episode, actually. Um, and yeah, just keep uh, subscribing to Beyond the Hashtag. Keep leaving your comments. Keep engaging with the content. Keep engaging with myself and the Beyond the Hashtag team in terms of comments and discussions. And just keep either telling us when you listen to an episode telling us your thoughts on the episode because these are the kind of discussions that we want to to not just improve this platform but improve the overall goal towards what we're trying to aim for which is you know equality and diversity in society obviously from a football lens is what we focus on but as iris mentioned many times in this episode it's about us as individuals and, and as human beings so it's only engaging with each other and having those discussions that we can continue to grow within ourselves and do that so no nah, thank you once again bro i really appreciate your time no problem man cool all right stay blessed everyone take care peace